Welcome to Time Out for Anesthesia. In these episodes, you'll hear a variety of experts discuss data, analytics, and strategies that can help you modernize and empower your anesthesia practice. We want this podcast to really benefit you, so if you have any questions or a specific topic you'd like Time Out to discuss, you can email us at timeout at grapheumhealth.com. Enjoy the episode. Welcome everybody back to another episode of Time Out for Anesthesia, uh, powered by Graphium Health. Probably important for you to know because a lot of the guest people that we're bringing on right now are internal. Um, as we continue kind of this series that we've started about Graphium onboarding, um, and today we have a really special treat for you. Um, I really special because um, our guest today absolutely hates. Uh, being recorded and speaking in front of people. And um, he has very graciously agreed to let us record him. Um, and uh, he's also one of the best minds, I think, in our industry. Um, so it's really a special and rare treat for us today. But I'm going to let um, John Lutz, who you've met before. Um, yes. He is. Yeah. Hey, John, how are you? And, and just so we're clear, you're not talking about me. Um, of course, I would echo all of those sentiments. Um, yes, Matt, Matt Oldham is who we're talking about. He is our vice president of engineering. And, and like, like David said, hands down, one of the greatest minds I don't know, of our industry, our industry, but also like I've ever worked with. So I love working with Matt. Mm-hmm. I know that everybody we work with, love working with Matt, is just outrageously um, um, you know, uh, respected by everybody I've ever met. So Matt, we're really warming you up here. I hope you're excited for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to. I'm happy to participate. Thanks. Thanks for having me, today, guys. <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna dive into a little bit more uh, in depth into the section that we we reviewed a couple of weeks ago with um, you know the onboarding overview uh, and really dive into uh, some sections that that Matt can help us out with. So I'm gonna share my screen here, and so. Um, so you know, we talked earlier in the, in the initial podcast about uh, you know what this organization is and your facility name. So on this kickoff call that we have with people, you know, this is one of the first things we want to establish. You know, how do you what do you want to call your organization? There's an organization, and below it, there are your facilities. And here is where the rubber meets the road. Here's where we're actually going to you know pull up your incidents. Uh, we're going to go through exactly what we're going to call this organization. How many facilities are associated with this onboarding? What you're calling them? So it'd be like a hospital and a surgery center or something like that. Um, you know, we usually do, I don't know, two to maybe five at a time. Uh, but we've done as many as, gosh, man, I don't know, a hundred. We've done a lot in one stint. So, but the usual is, you know, three to four at a time. Um, so anyways, we, we clarified that on our call. Um, you know, here's the kickoff meeting call. But really what we're going to focus on today is this client info pack section. And uh, more specifically, uh, Matt's going to talk about um, the registry. Uh, this is one of the first things we send out to people, talk about why it's important um, and how that helps him set up uh, the instance that he needs. So uh, Matt, do you want me to pull up the spreadsheet here of the registry? Sure. We can go through the tabs of the, of the registry. That would, that would be helpful. All right. There we go. So this is what the registry looks like. Explain this to him, Matt. That's Matt. That's right. So, so this really is, we call it the registry because it's everything that we need to set up an instance for Graphium and everything we need to know from you. Um, 
as a customer. The first of which, as John mentioned already, is a list of facilities. The facilities where you're going to be using Graphium uh, to capture your anesthesia record. The, the second tab, um, yeah, the facility information, we just need basic basic information, right? What is the name of the facility that, as you call it, as you want to have your providers identified in the system so that when they select the facility they're practicing at for a day, for a case, they know they know what that facility is and they know how to recognize it. And then just the basic demographics for that facility, the, the address, um, city, state, zip, and phone. And we also include information about the tax ID number. That's not necessarily the tax ID number for the facility. That's really most most um, relevant when it comes time to report your data for MACRA at the end of the year. And it's not the facility's TIN. Again, it is the tax ID number that the cases from that facility are billed under for your Medicare Part D claims. That's where that's where it becomes relevant. Um, so that's what that tax ID number represents there. Cool. Fun Easter egg here. I, I set up this registry with Matt and I put in Chicago because that's where I'm from. And the zip code is the first zip code I lived in Chicago. So uh, but these are obviously just sample information, so please delete that out whenever you do your registry. So, uh, I'll go to the next tab here. <laughs> yeah, so so anesthesia providers, this is obviously a, you know an important part. These are the list of your practicing anesthesiologists or CRNAs who are going to be documenting cases in Graphium. And the 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 key information we need to know about each is obviously their first and last name, their NPI number and what their provider type is. And provider types is gonna be an MD, uh, anesthesiologist, or a CRNA. Um, we also need to know which, if, if you have a provider or if you have multiple facilities that you're actually onboarding in Graphium, we need to know which of those providers practice at which locations. Um, not just the name of, the, of a given provider, we need to know which facilities that provider practices at so that we can then make them available to be selected uh, in an anesthesia record for that facility. I think that's a really good one to point out. So you can see like in the sample here, we have, you know, John Smooth. Uh, I don't think I came up with that name, but <laughs> maybe I was going for Smith and misspelled it. But um, <laughs> yeah. so it's interesting. So yeah, facility one, John Smooth and facility two, John. So basically like, you know, a provider would be here twice if we're doing two facilities. And, you know, if, if there's 10 providers in facility one, you'd list those 10 providers, their MPIs, and then you'd list them again in facility two. And, right? That's right. That's exactly cool, right. Perfect. And just to be clear to everybody, too, like, this is something that, that you can do on your own in the instance. What we're doing here and why we're doing it here is that you don't want to load these one by one. We're going we're gonna to cover that with you in training and stuff like that for, so you can add people at a later date. But you don't want to do that one by one. We're going to load them all for you at, at, at the beginning. So that's why this list is going to make things a lot easier for you uh, at the beginning. And, and it's really um, both for the anesthesia providers and the surgeon providers. It's, it's usually something that can be pulled out of whatever your credentialing system is, whether you know it's the facility's credentialing system or whether you have that information in your um, in some type of system at your practice, uh, maybe it's your billing software even where you have that information. But usually there is a system that exists that you, that that customers can easily pull this information from. Right, yeah. Yeah, we even experimented with doing this in a different format, at least I did at one point, it was I made this beautiful web form and all this stuff, but everybody understands a spreadsheet and a spreadsheet is easy to manipulate. So it ended up being that sending a spreadsheet to get all this stuff is just the easiest way to do it. And it's, it's probably pretty quick. So, but uh, right. anyway, so our next tab here, this is 
yeah, very similar to the anesthesia providers, we need the surgeon providers. And again, this is specific to each facility, which surgeons practice there, which sur surgeons do you service as an anesthesia provider at that facility? And again, the first last name, uh, the NPI, those are the three critical pieces. But for surgeons, we also like to track their specialty. And that that's not a critical part of, of the registry, but it's very valuable because downstream, when you actually start looking at our analytics, you can actually start breaking down your productivity, your efficiency, your quality by surgeon specialty instead of by surgeon name. So you can start really doing some some fun and 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 helpful, you know, analysis based on the specialty. So we ask you for that too. Gotcha. Perfect. All right. So the main takeaways, their names, their NPIs, make sure they're in the right facilities for their multiple facilities. And of course, specialty and right. NDR CMA. Perfect. Yep. All right. Or our locations. Yeah, this is an easy one. Just uh uh, also known as the anesthetizing locations at each facility. So again, this is something that is facility specific. We need to know the you know, the abbreviations for each of your uh, surgery locations and a description. Uh, so OR1 is operating one, operating room one. Endo one is endo suite one, for example. And, and a lot of customers, they'll have a lot of rooms or they'll have a few rooms or they'll include PACU or they'll include the emergency department. They'll include pre-op as a location. It's really whatever you need to be able to specify um, the location for any anesthesia record or out of OR procedure. Right. And Matt, I think that's I think that's something important, right? Is I've seen I've I'd seem to recall that this is somewhere where people come back after the fact and be like, oh, we forgot to tell you about these anesthetizing locations. Um, labor and delivery is one that comes to mind. Um, of a of a location that sometimes we forget, right? So that's right. Um, or maybe you'll have a dental, a special room for dental procedures, right. right? That that may not be, you know, something that you're using for anesthesia, but that gets opened up for anesthesia services. Or MRI is another example. Yeah. Right. So if you're, you know, if you're performing anesthesia in a room somewhere, you probably want to include it here. Don't leave it out. Beautiful. All right. These next sections. Uh, lay it on us, Matt. Surgical procedures. Why? Why is? Why are these CPT codes important? Yeah. So these 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 next couple of tabs are really they're they're related because these are um, the things that again things that you will specify on the anesthesia record as a provider. But uh, the reason populating these lists in advance is important is is because it makes it easier for the providers at the point of care. So the surgical procedures and the surgical diagnoses, these are um, your, typically what we ask for is your most common procedures for each facility, your most common diagnoses for each facility. Again, surgical procedure, surgical diagnosis, um, the CPT code and the description. And so that allows us to pre-populate these lists so that when the anesthesiologist is documenting their record at the point of care, they can click on a list easily search for, you know, either part of the description or if they know the code, they can scroll and select the code. Uh, but it just makes it a lot easier for one, them to document their information without having to um, handwrite it and then make it more difficult for billing or or have to um, necessarily remember all the codes. They just know this is the procedure that I always do. They can type that description really quickly, key it in or just speak it using the, um, the speech-to-text recognition that's native to iOS and native to our app. Um, and then they can easily find their code that way. But the other benefit that's really important is downstream when it comes to 
sending the information about the entity's records to the practice or to the billing company or to the billing vendor. Uh, these cases, these procedures are already coded so that they can be then you know, imported into the software and claims can be generated much more easily than um, the billing company having to transcribe handwriting about the procedure that was done or you know, having a more you know, labor-intensive coding process for those claims. Love it. Another example of just how the whole system makes things easier for everybody. Perfect. Yeah, a little bit of time spent up front makes makes all the difference. Absolutely. Okay, so surgical procedures, uh, surgical diagnosis, same same kind of deal here. Any other yep. information on this one? Exactly. No, comorbidities uh, is, is is the same thing, John, and it's it's again going to be something that that is selected on on your anesthesia record. So, what are your most common comorbidities that that you want the anesthesia providers to be able to select on a case? And a comorbidity is not always required, but um, as the providers who are listening to this know, if you code a case as an ASA three or above, you're you are required to provide a comorbidity in order to generate a claim and have that claim be uh, approved or reimbursed. So um, that's that's where comorbidities come into play. And again, this is just the most common ICD ten codes for the comorbidities that you want to see Perfect. on your forms. Perfect. Great. I think that's a great roundup of this is, um, you know, especially I always tell people like what we send this out, we go through this, the spiel that Matt just gave us. Um, I'm glad we're recording it now. We can send this to other people. And, but if you ever need help with this during the process, obviously we're always there to help people. Uh, you know, you send this out and maybe you didn't listen to the first second, you know, review of this. I'm like, what do you have to do here? And we can always go through this again. We can always help you because like Matt said, doing this right up front just makes everybody's life easier. So uh, fantastic. Okay, that is these two parts right here. This this part right here. This is the registry. Uh, we've assigned this to uh, whoever our client is uh, during this. Once that's done, it gets handed off to Matt. He creates that instance. So then, then you have your corner of the Graphium world. Um, we also load the the CPT codes that he was just talking about there. Um, next in this client info pack section, uh, CPT CPT code reconciliation. Uh, this is more of a note that we like to show people if you're doing uh, macro compliance with this. Uh, there is a whole other section where they need to upload CPT codes um, you know, after the fact uh, in our system. We will definitely do a whole other podcast on this. We have help pages on this. Uh, you know, this is another tool in our system. Um, but Matt, since we have you on there, is there any kind of like 10,000 foot level kind of view about you know, what we're expecting from CPT codes? Uh, you know. Uploaded, of course, later on to match up with cases. No, I mean the purpose, is, as you alluded to, is is this, it's all about macro. And for any case to be eligible for any given uh, macro measure, uh, it has to have a qualifying CPT code. Uh, primarily, the ASA CPT codes; those are the ones that are part of a case that actually make a case eligible. Sometimes we need the surgical CPTs as well. Some measures, macro measures, require. They, they have a denominator that specifies a list of ASA CBTs or specific surgical CBTs because the measure is specific to a certain type of procedure that make the case uh, then eligible for macro. So we need to get these CBTs at some point um, in the year. It, it's, it's best if we can get them throughout the year because then you can kind of monitor your projected compliance, taking into consideration the actual procedure that was performed and knowing that you're not you know, looking at projected compliance for a bunch of procedures that won't even qualify for the measure. So without the CPD code, we can't know does a case is a case eligible for a measure. 
So that's what this is all about. So if you come up with a plan up front and you know what it's going to take to get those CPT codes from your billing team back into Graphium, um, solving that problem sooner rather than later and having a plan is going to make life really easy. Um, and in many cases, we can automate it through an interface if you if you have the wherewithal, if you have the resources to do that. That's something we can help with as well. Gotcha. And like I said, we, we have a lot of information on our help site. I'll put that link down here at the bottom so you can see that. Uh, and of course, you know, we go through this and then we can also do separate trainings. I guess we should also probably do a separate podcast about it at some point. So um, great. Thank you. That's that's fantastic information. Matt. Um, so the next area we have here, we have we have barcodes. We'll talk about this more maybe with uh, just Frank just a little bit, but it, it's simple. At this point, we want to get a sample barcode. If you're going to be scanning uh, uh, patients at your site, um, what we really want to see is that your barcode is um, is the encounter number because that's what we're going to be pulling out of the barcode. That's what we're going to be getting from, you know, from the ADT to match things up. Every once in a while, hospitals will have or facilities will have special barcodes where they had added a little number at the end of it. We just like to know that earlier in case we have to deal with that. Um, so that's why we kind of have it on here twice. You know, at the very beginning, we say, hey, give us a sample barcode if you can. And then later on in the onboarding, we're like, okay, ADT is live now. Send us a live one in an encrypted email. Let's test this before you know we get on site and we're like, hey, the barcodes don't work for some reason. Oh, because they add H at the beginning of it for some reason, right? And we need to work around that. So uh, kind of an important part uh, and something that's really pretty easy to get this part of the onboarding. So um, great. Yeah, these next couple lines here are, are pretty boring. I'm not I'm kind of glazed by them. This is just paperwork, right? We need a BAA, a BAA in, in place. Um, I'm not going to go into that too much. I think most people that are listening to this know what that is. And we could also do another podcast about that if we want to. Uh, we send you a BAA. Um, if we need to do your BAA, uh, we can work through um, you know what, what that process is like. Uh, we also have a QCDR agreement. This is, again, going back to macro. If you macro with us, uh, this is the agreement with the, uh, the, the, the company that we partner with uh, to get this paperwork in, in place for, for us sending the macro data to at the end of the year. Um, again, another Panda doc that I will send out to your main POC here to get this done. Um, pretty easy stuff. Now for another fun mat section. And I think this is great. Uh, this is the Graphium Health Status. I'm going to bring this page up because this is just a wonderful page here. So Matt, lay it on us. What are all these wonderful green bars here? Mm -hmm. So green is good always, um, <laughs> but the 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 status page is really just what is the status of our platform at any given time, right? So if we have an outage, whether it's planned or unplanned, we have to do maintenance. Or as everyone in the in the world experienced earlier this week, AWS has an outage and it affects us in some way upstream and causes one of our services to be unavailable. Um, we report that here, and then you as a customer, uh, as a user, you can be a provider and user. It can be anybody you want. It can be part of your IT staff. It can be your administration, practice administrators, whoever it is who may be interested and need to know, be made aware of anytime we have a problem with one of our services, we have an outage or we have a disruption or we have a degradation of performance or whatever the case may be. We report that here uh, through our status page. And so you can subscribe to those updates. You can get it via email or text or uh, Twitter or um, RSS, whatever, however you want to do that. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of options there, but it lets you know when we have a problem. So when we have scheduled maintenance, we'll post an incident here, a planned incident, and when we have an outage, we'll post an unplanned incident here. You'll get those alerts. All right. So usually during the onboarding call at this point, like I bring this page up and we'll actually put whoever we're talking with on the phone, 
they're getting the invite right there, right? So at least we know that at least somebody from the site is on there. But by no means is this exclusive. You know, anybody at your facility, anybody you want to know can be on this list to be updated by this. And this is a public site, you know, like, and a lot of large companies do have this. Actually, Matt was talking about the, the Amazon uh, issues the other day. I mean, that's something that affected Disney and Netflix and Instacart and all these interesting things. Well, they had a, they had a similar page to this, and I was actually pulling it up and kind of watching it all day to watch them, their little green bars not be green for a while and, you know, how that affects the, the entire world. So it is kind of interesting, but um, yeah, so this is, this is a great page and a great page for, for people to be involved in and, and know what it is. So um, great. Yeah. The last section of this is, was really pretty simple. Um, I'll just be kind of quick on this. You know, if we're going to be on site with everyone, um, you know, depending on the site, uh, they, they may want to know whether or not we have uh, trainings to be in ORs with you, vaccinations, all that kind of stuff. Uh, typically, this is called RepTrax or Secure3. Different facilities use different things. Um, you know, if this is required at your facility, this is something that we can provide uh, if we're going to be on site, of course. Uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit later in training. But, you know, usually when we're on site for training, we'll have one person. We'll get there early. We'll do a training for with everybody. We'll have done phone trainings beforehand, of course. Uh, one person usually stays in the uh, the break room. So there are centralized areas where people can come talk to you. And the other person might float around with people going to OR so they can stand next to them while they're doing the first cases. Uh, but that's why we have this. We want to make sure that, uh, you know, the facility is comfortable with, uh, our people being where they need to be in the facility. Um, so again, something we want to get out of the way uh, earlier, earlier than later. So, so that's it. That that is the client info pack section of of this. Um, and I guess the conclusion of this particular webinar. Are there any before we get off? Are there any kind of big pitfalls that you'd love to get rid of? Um, I know, I know. A while ago, when we're talking about especially the registry spreadsheet. I know historically we've had some problems with, okay, what's the best way to submit this? We've had people print those off and handwrite them in and then fax them to us. Don't do that. Um, which doesn't, doesn't help <laughs> us at all. Um, are, there any, um, are there any other pitfalls that you'd love just, if we could just get rid of this one thing? Oh, man. That is a good, good question. And maybe um, I nailed it. Maybe it's the spreadsheet. I think it's a spreadsheet, you know, yeah, anything. And I think, you know, we've, ex we experimented with different ways of doing it. And I think we'll continue to experiment. I always want to make this easy for people, but we keep on going back to that spreadsheet. Um, and uh, just because everybody understands the spreadsheet, everybody can put information into the spreadsheet. And even if they get it to us and please don't do this. And it's a little bit wonky. We can easily, we can easily manipulate it in a spreadsheet, right? right. It's such a universal good. So it's, um, yeah, I'd love to see something else. Um, you know, maybe uh, we could leverage something in the system to actually upload stuff. Like there is definitely that area of self-onboarding. And that would be one of the things like, you know, you could go to a web page, one of our help pages, you could download a registry in the format that is, that's correct, put all your information on it. Then you can go to our site, upload it yourself and create your own instance. I think that's definitely some sort of feature that, that we have here pretty soon. And you can see kind of where that goes to. But yeah, that'd, that'd be great. And Hopefully something sooner than later. I'll ask our VP of engineering okay. when he can have that done. <laughs> I mean, speaking of our... <laughs> go, Sorry, I was going to say, Dave. Yeah, I was going to say that, I, I mean, John's exactly right. That is something we want to do is, uh, I mean, we have, we, have, um, we have very ambitious goals um, uh, of, of making onboarding a completely self-service 
you know, feature in our platform. And part of that is getting the, getting your provider information, your registry information uploaded. But to go back to John's point, <clears throat> there's a lot of information in that. And, and most likely you would have to upload a spreadsheet. So if you, if you uh, can't get it into a spreadsheet, then, then you're left to manually entering each one, one at a time, which is totally possible. That capability exists today. So um, yeah, we want to make it easier. There's only so many ways to make, you know, a bunch of data that's that's easily accessible in a spreadsheet already, you know, easier to work with. Um, but yeah, that's we 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 do have plans to make onboarding much more self-service. And this is one way we can hopefully streamline it. Cool. Perfect. Yeah, there's one other section here that I will uh, bring up, actually, since we're, we're not talking about it right now, is um, vitals integration. There's another registry in a different section that, that will be added to this. Where we, we do a vitals uh, integration with some machines sometimes, and that is a separate um, registry, if you will. It's a site survey, actually, and we're going to do something separate about that. That's another thing that is, is it's kind of a different service. So outside of the, the scope of this, but something worthwhile mentioning is, is another podcast we're going to do pretty soon. Yeah, I think that covers this, this section for now. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Matt, for being with us today. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Always, always fun working with you guys and is happy it, to talk about this kind of stuff. It really is. Is it a pleasure? It, really is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> well, it is for us. I, I, I'm so thankful that you were here today. And John, thank you as always. You're fantastic. Awesome. Thanks, guys.